turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 10. 1 Samuel 10. I was doing some personal reading and uh, there was this passage. And I don't know about you, but there are, there are passages in the Bible that just kind of hop out at you. You ever, you ever had that happen and um, it doesn't particularly minister to you? It, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't convict you of any sin. You just read it and you go, that was weird. What on earth does this mean? And, and uh, uh, when I read the Bible, a little movie, little movie plays. You know what I'm talking about? Little movie plays in your head and you're, you're kind of imagining things and you're, you're imagining the characters. And the closer you get to reality, when I was a teenager, it all seemed like Shakespeare and not because I was reading KJV. It just seemed outlandish. It, it, it seemed bigger than life, you know? Nobody, nobody just like broke each other's hearts. Then they killed them and cut them up into pieces, you know? And you're like, Golly, you know, what does this mean? So, so as I've gotten older, the Bible has gotten realer, if that makes sense. It's gotten more intimate. I understand it more, and I understand the motivations behind those characters and how they act, um, especially the murder part when I'm driving on Hall Road. I, I understand it so much closer. And um, so I'm reading 1 Samuel 10 and uh, verse 3, and I, I read this, and I thought, huh, that's, that's funny. And so I wanted to uh, dig deeper, and I, as I dug deeper, I found this really strange concurrence, and it's all about goats. So today's message is called, Don't Bring Your Goats to Christmas. Goats not allowed at Christmas. And so um, uh, let's throw up 1 Samuel 10.3, and we'll read that. So no goats at Christmas. Please check them at the door. Here we go, 1 Samuel 10.3. If you got it, say, yeah. Oh, good job. If you're youth, you're trying to do it on your phone, and it still hasn't loaded. This is called an analog Bible. It's called a book. You might like it. Uh, then you will go on from there until you reach the great tree of Tabor. So what's happening here is Samuel is getting ready, and he's anointed Saul. Saul is going to be the king. It's not a great thing. He shouldn't be the king because God didn't design it to be a kingdom. But he and the people and everybody wanted this. So some of the most dangerous moments in my life is when God has given me exactly what I wanted. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so this guy is super good looking. He's got it all together. And he gets ready to go be the king. And, and he's got these like series of uh, confirmations. And so this confirmation is what we're reading about. So you go to this great tree of Tabor. Three men going up to worship God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three young goats. And in some translations, it's one will be carrying three young goats on his back. So I like that. Another three loaves of bread and another a skin of wine. Verse 4, they will greet you and offer you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this, uh, this word that you've put on my heart. Father, I, I struggled with this because of its uh, in, incredibly uh, dynamic nature in our lives and how it translates. So, Father, if you can't speak through me this morning, speak in spite of me. It's a message timely for the season. God, give us today our daily bread and give it to us hot and warm. In Jesus' name, amen. All the Germans were like, hot and warm bread. I'm, I'm paying attention now. Uh, I have a German wife, so that's why the, that's a... Uh... So, I, I'm a youth pastor. 
Um, it explains a lot. And, and as a youth pastor, I deal with teenagers, and I love teenage culture. I don't love it in that I think it's great, because I think most of it stinks, like it's weird and, you know, whatever. But mine was too. Teenage culture is weird. But, like, I love it in that I'm fascinated by it. And one of the ways in which uh, teenage culture really fascinates me is in how you get people to do stuff. In, in incentives and punishments. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, um, if you, how many of you have had teenagers or currently have teenagers? Okay, I have four-year-olds. They just turned four on Friday, and it works when Mama says, "You just wait till your daddy comes home." Ooh, those were words of death. And 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 Julie can get instant gratification on her threats because they don't know any better right? They're scared of me because I outweigh them many times over. And, uh, and uh, I'll just have to say, Jack, Logan, you want to be in trouble? No, sir. I got them saying no, sir. They're good southern boys. And I say, you want to be in trouble? No, sir. Okay. All right. You know, they're PKs, so I got to really keep them wrapped in. They're going to be crazy anyway. So like, uh, personal experience just coming out right now. Um, so I, I, got a, I got a thing that works right now. But I know, and you know, that there's going to come an age when they're going to look down on their dad, who seems so huge, and they're going to be like, mm, you know, I don't think you're going to spank me, dad. I don't think I'm going to let you spank me. Okay, son, you know. And, and so th then we have to talk about discipline and motivation, uh, incentive, different ways. And I, I, I love this. I don't advocate it, okay, because it's crazy, but I think it's hilarious. And I don't, I don't know if it works, but how many of you have ever been to like a festival or uh, they got one at Cedar Point? It's like old western town. You ever seen these old western towns or old timey towns? And they always have this, even if it doesn't fit in with the time period, they always have stockades, right? And you can go, look mom, you know, and they take a picture in the stockade. And it was like this brutal form of shaming, public shaming. You did this in the stockade, we're going to throw fruit at you. And so there is this new version of stockading, and it's, it is just hilarious. So I wanted to show you a couple of pictures, and uh, everybody over here, sorry, uh, but uh, you know, <laughs> you can look at this thing. Um, but um, what we're going to uh, oh, just put those up there. Uh, so here's, a, if you can't see it, it's a kid who says, I was suspended from school for cussing out my teacher. And he's holding up a, a, a poster board he had to make, and his principal told him he, he had to make, he was like sentenced to do this. And this was uh, a part of his sentence. Have you, have you ever heard of this? This kind of this public shaming of, of naughty teenagers, right? You ever heard of this? And uh, they're always boys. But uh, here's another one I thought was funny. Uh, this one says, I wanted to be a class clown. Uh, is it worth it, uh, or is it wrong, but no question mark, so I don't know if that's a, a good thing or a bad thing, uh, but it uh, must be a slow news night for uh, Local 10, you know, if this is like their tough lesson. Uh, how about this one? I am a bully. Honk if you hate bullies. That's, that's brutal. That's brutal. It's like saying, hey, do you hate me, you know? Like, I mean, how many would want your son to even hold that sign, but he is not having a good time. Okay, and this last one I love. Um, this says, smoked pot got caught. Don't I look cool? Not. So the mom wrote like this haiku, right? And like this, like, it, she made it rhyme. And, and I, I don't think it's working because he's obviously laughing and she's like having a good time. It's like, it turned into like this like roadside bonding moment for them. But I, I thought it was really interesting that there was this, this concept of public shaming. And people think it's like this really new thing. 
They're like, you know, the, uh, the newscasters are all debating it. Like, is it good? Is it bad? You know, is it wrong to do this? Is it going to damage the cute little kid's psyche? I don't know. Maybe the, the weed smoke will do a little bit more damage to his brain than, you know, but whatever. Like, <laughs> that's just my opinion. Um, so it's interesting that they're talking about this like a new thing. But it's not a new thing. In fact, God invented the whole concept, this public shame. Don't believe me? Check out the Bible. The Bible uses this concept very, very, um, uh, in a very, very blatant way, in a, in a way that's kind of surprising. Can everybody see this goat? Thank you, Kara Hakes, for making my uh, goat picture. Um, so, so this idea is when you had to uh, ask for forgiveness of sin. You had to take an animal, you had to either buy or raise the animal, it, it came at a cost, and then you would take your animal to where? To the temple. And then what would they do? They'd slaughter it, and they'd burn it, and then the priest would eat your, your, your animal. And they'd be like, thanks, you know, and, and have a barbecue. But the funny thing is, is you would see people walking with their animals, do you know what that meant? They're going to seek forgiveness. This is like the, this is like the biblical equivalent of saying, uh, I'm going to hold a sign that says I cheated on my wife, right? Like, I, 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 I got caught by the IRS and, and my taxes. And, and you're, you're dragging these little, you know, and these little goats along. I remember when I was seven years old, we went to a petting zoo. And in this petting zoo, there was this demonic creature called a goat. Not only did it ram me in the legs and sprawl me to the ground, it then proceeded to eat the seat of my pants. <laughs> Seven years old, that's a traumatic moment, okay? I've declared war on all goats, and if you're a goat lover, I, I don't understand you, but I'm sorry, like, I hate these things. I hate their creepy little hourglass eyes. Like, I, I hate the fact that they'll eat anything, mostly my pants. I don't like anything about them. And the, the, um, the one thing that, that is oh so interesting is uh, I love fall in Michigan. You know, this whole winter thing, I hope, it's, I hope it stays like this, like chilly cool and, and no snow. I'm good with that. I'll snow sled later, like a decade ago, you know. But like, like um, I love fall up here. I, I'd never known that. You knew Christmas was coming in Florida when Walmart started selling Christmas stuff, you know. You're like, oh, is it that time already? Okay, Christmas, cool, you know? Like, there is no movement, right? I know that's why people retire down there, because they're like, I'll never get old. Nothing ever changes, right? And it's like, Ugh. There's a reason that Ponce de Leon went to Florida for that thing, right? So, so here's the deal. Up here, you have fallen. It's so awesome. How you been to Yates Cider Mill? I'm not, like, shilling for a certain cider mill. I love them all, but that one specifically has these, like, apple things, and they fold them in half. Like, they're called flips or flaps. Oh, delicious, right? And so we're going to the, that. I'm like, Julie, get the boys. We're going. We're going to go get some apple stuff. And it's, it's funny because, like, they're open all year, and the stuff's available all year, but it's like, no, now, right? So you go, and you spend, like, $9 on a gallon of uh, apple juice, and Julie's like, it's cider, and I'm like, it's apple juice, but whatever, you know, uh, and, and so you go, and as we're walking with the boys, I get hit by this wall of stink, I'm just like, whoa, like that, I just stop, and I'm like, what is that, and I look over, and there's this goat pen, and I'm like, ah, I don't even want apple, I need, I need more apples, 
I need more apples to cleanse my palate, right? You know, that's how I'm justifying my carbo load. And I'm like, that is terrible. And, and Mr. Yates, if you're in the audience, I'm sorry. You've got to fix that thing, man. It is raw, you know? And so there is this stink to goats. There is this smell to goats. And so I'm reading this passage, and it all seems normal. You know, I've, I've read it a bunch of times. I love the books of Samuel. I think they're interesting. And, and you know, Saul and all that. But all of a sudden, it strikes me, this guy is wearing a backpack filled with goats. Okay? It's like wearing the Yates Cider Mill petting zoo on your back, right? Stinky, creepy goats. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe he figured out a way to potty train these goats. But like if he didn't, what is going on in this story? Why is he carrying these ghosts? I'm not trying to be gross, but like what's going on here? And I, so I was like, all right, let's check out the goats in the Bible, right? I hate them. Let's read about them. And so I started to look in the, the Old Testament. Like when did goats start showing up? And what is, what is the goat, um, uh, you know, is there any symbolism? Is there, is there any associations? And every time I see these things, bad things start happening, right? They're not like an omen. I, I think it's very interesting when the Bible ties things together. So, so we're going to just look at a couple of places that goats show up. So today, I just want to implore to you, if you have them, get rid of them, but no goats at Christmas. And if you brought them in today, please leave them at the door and put them in the foyer. James, our head usher, will take care of that. The first goat I want to talk about is the goat of deception. If you're taking notes, the goat of deception shows up in Genesis 21. The first time we really see a goat, the first time we really see a goat, it's in the story of Jacob. Jacob's name means supplanter. Sneaky guy, liar, uh, uh, manipulator, and, and, and he figures out a way, this story is so old, but we all know it, he figures out a way to get his brother's birthright, but it's not really official unless he gets his dad to give it to him, and so his mom sneaks in with him, and, and she's like, all right, here's what you do, make his favorite stew, make it out of goat meat, and then he's, your brother's really hairy. Like, I, don't, I never got that story. Like, is he the ape man? What is that? But anyway, they're like, take this goat fur and wrap it on your arms and wrap it on the back of your neck. I, I, I'm always like, we're missing something in this story. Where did that guy come from? Was he, like, adopted? Like, what is that? Like, there's this, this hairy, hairy dude that you could convince is covered in goat fur. But anyway, um, so it works out. And there is this, this stink associated with goats, and then you wear a goatskin. Guess what? You now stinketh, right? That's my favorite in, in the Old Testament. They had, but sir, he stinketh, right? And and so there's this stinketh thing going on. There's this aroma going on, and the goat of deception can show up in our lives too. We we are getting ready for Christmas. Now Christmas is a holiday. It's a holiday we as Christians should own. Forget Santa Claus. We got Jesus. Forget, you know, all this uh, uh, other stuff. We've got Jesus. And, and yet, when Christmas comes around, it is probably the most stressful holiday on earth. You got all these people in your house, or worse, you're going to their house you're, you're all up in each other's business. The house isn't big enough for the amount of humans you've packed into it. There's all these expectations for gifts. 
In my family, we would all just tear apart the gifts, right? And, and, and maybe you're at a different family, and I'm not going to name which Christmas I go to, but they, name, they open a Christmas gift at a time, and everybody stares at you, and so there's all this pressure to really like the gift. And you're like, oh, thanks for these. They're great for what they are, right? And you're like, is it, is it socks? Is it pajamas? It's both. Oh, <laughs> great. You know, and, and then there's all this pressure, and you're like, who gave this to me? Oh, you're the best. Thanks. You know, and, 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 and there's pressure because different family members that aren't always together are now together. And, 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 and one of the things that can crop up is this, this kind of shifting of things. How many of you have manipulative kids? I do. Where on earth do they learn that from? If they don't get a yes from mom, they go to me, and I'm like, yeah, sure. And Julie's like, what is wrong with you? You know, like, I, they asked, you know. And they're four. And where do they learn these demonic tendencies? You know, I don't know, but there is deception that can creep in this, this goat. Now, I remember the story of a Texas ranger who was going to go find a gold thief. So he goes down to Mexico, and he finds the guy in the bar, and he, he is the old West, and he, he holds his gun up, and he says, stick him up, you know, I found you. Where's the gold? You know, we got to give that back. And, and the, the guy's like, oh, I don't speak English. No, I'm English, you know, and all that stuff. And the uh, guy next to him at the bar says, hey, I, I know English and Spanish. And he goes, okay, can you translate? And so he translates, and he says, hey, this guy wants to know where the gold is. He's going to shoot you if you don't give it to him. And the guy goes, oh, okay, okay, okay. Look, 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 look. It's, it's five paces past the mill, two paces to the left. There's a big oak tree. You dig down four feet, and it's right there. All the gold, a half a million dollars is just sitting there, okay? Just please tell him not to shoot me. He can have the gold. And, and the, the ranger goes, well, what did he say? And the guy translating, he said, he said, I'm the baddest gold thief in the West and I'm not afraid to die, you know? Like, some of you will get that later. But like, there is this deception that comes in. We see the, another goat. And, and yet, one of the things that happens is, is we begin to drag those goats around with us. And I, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm forgiven of a particular sin, and yet I'm the one who's dragging my goat around. There's a goat of jealousy that comes next in the Old Testament, and you can find this in Genesis 37. It's 37, 31 says this, Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. Who are we talking about? Joseph and his technicolor dream coat, right? Parents, listen to me. Listen to me. The, one of the most destructive forces I see in the youth group is parents being favorites towards a certain student or a certain teenager or a certain kid. I see it. If, if you don't think that they don't know, believe you me, they know. And the brothers had absolutely positively understood this the moment that they didn't get a certain coat and one of the other guys did. They knew. And I see this happen and, and it's so painful and, and, and you can understand why a parent would feel this way but they, maybe they, they, they have a split family that they've united and the one son is, is not of his blood and the other one is of his blood and, and there is a preference there. There's a favoritism there. Well, the kid who's been grafted into that family 
feels that. And it's a weight on him. And so that weight can get so heavy, and these brothers allowed that weight to get so crazy that they, they tried to kill their brother, and they eventually sold him into slavery. And this coat was covered in the blood of goats. This is the second time we see the goats show up. And it's, it's one of those things that you see at Christmas time in the micro scale, you know, oh, they got the good gift and I didn't, you know. But then there's another one that's a lot scarier. It's this idea that we can look at people in our lives. They might be family members, they might just be relationships, whatever they are. We look at them and we're jealous of them. The reason that the Bible says thou shalt not covet is because it knows that that's a goat you're going to drag with you everywhere you go. You're going to look at the promotions that he gets. You're going to look at the beautiful kids that they have that you can't. You're going to look at the house or look at the, the career or the opportunities that show up. And they're Christians. They're, they're living right. But maybe they're not. Maybe they're full-on sinners. You ever had that happen? You ever just watch somebody almost in the exact same place as you and the same, same feeling and the, the same family and the same age and the same education level and you look at them and they go, and they skyrocket and you stagnate? You ever had that happen? And you look and you go, why God? Why them and not me? And the goat of jealousy begins to creep in. Now I know this um, intimately because I have a brother-in-law who preaches in Southern California. And if the waves are good, he cancels church and just takes all the kids surfing. What is that? And then he's like, oh, we're going on a honeymoon to like wherever. What do you go, Bali or like Mars? I don't know. It was awesome looking. And I'm looking at this, I'm going, ah, oh, right? Jealousy begins to creep up and you're like, well, maybe a great white will bite his hand off. Maybe it'll rain the whole time during his honeymoon. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, maybe all his hair will fall out. That would be justice. No, no, I don't. Sorry, John, on the video. You know, I'm sure he's watching. Like, you know, you can, you can allow these thoughts to fester, though, can't you? Okay, all right, fine. You all are holy and I'm not, okay? You're all like, no, not me. What's wrong with you? Okay, fine. It's just me. It's just me. I'm the only jealous human on earth. No, I think we all can admit that you just look at others sometimes. You go... It could be as simple as, how come I have cancer and they don't? It's hard to have a mom who has battled brain tumors over and over and over again, and, and then you look at other people, and they live to be like 500 years old, and they look like they're 30, and you go, what's the deal, God? God is fair. There's multiple Bible verses that, that, that reminds us that God is fair. But yet, the Bible also says in Romans 12, 15, we have to rejoice with those who rejoice. And we have to mourn with those who mourn. We weep with those who weep. Why? Because that's what family does. And when God blesses you, you want them to rejoice with you. It would so sour your blessing. It so sours their blessing. When other people are jealous, or they're jealous of you. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever actually gotten something good, but then you felt that jealousy? How about this? How about you've mourned, you've been grieving, you're hurting, and everybody else is just dancing and singing around you? 
Do you know what they say? There's a, there's a rumor that people commit suicide in winter because it's gloomy and dark and all that. You know, that's not true. That's not true at all. It's actually a much higher prevalence in the spring. Why? Because winter is over. Now everybody's happy. And they're buzzing around. And teenagers are, you know, frolicking or whatever they do. And everybody's like, hooray! And you're not feeling that way. That's actually the truth. The truth is, is that when people mourn with you, they, they come up alongside you and say, man, this is terrible. This stinks, but God's with you. That's what we're called to be. And, and the goat of jealousy will remove you. Remove you from that. When I get the boys' gifts, because they're twins and because they're, you know, always together and all that kind of stuff, if I don't get them the exact same thing in the exact same color, we will have, like, holy fatwa. They will freak out. Ah, you know, and I'm like, what is the deal? That one's, you know blue and that one's chartreuse. What's your problem? I thought you were colorblind anyway. What's going on here? You know? And they're like, ah, you know, and there's this, this fairness that they have somehow figured out that if he gets it, I get it, right? But God doesn't work that way. You ever notice that? In fact, T.D. Jakes says it famously, this, yeah, a, a big sermon series, he says, favor ain't fair. Favor ain't fair. Now, how can you say that? God's a fair God. Oh, yes, God's a fair God. But I think Let's, let's be real a moment. When people talk about favor, I think what they really are expecting is favors. Do you know the difference between the favor of God and favors? You do if you've got a dad who used to use this line, Hey, Rye, hey, do me a favor. You know what? He's not going to pay me back on that favor. Like, ever. It might as well say... I command thee, right? You know, like, it was like, hey, right, do me a favor and mow the lawn. It's not like, and then I'll do something for you later. It's like, you live because of me, mow the lawn, do me a favor. You know what I mean? Like, pay me back for the million dollars I'm going to spend on your, you know, life. You know, uh, you would be not alive if I didn't feed you when you were one year old. Mow the lawn, you know? But they say, oh, do me a favor. Do you really want what you deserve? Do you really want to get into a favors relationship with God? Hey, God, I totally did my 10% of tithe this month. So help me out with the old mortgage, right? Let's get that Disney cruise rocking and rolling for February, you know? Like, that'd be awesome. But, like, there is, this, there is this favors relationship a lot of us have with God. You know, we, we like to, I love this, hey, there's nothing wrong, in fact, there's everything right with praying the promises of God. But there's something wrong when we take the promises of God to twist his arm. Hey, 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 God. You said, train up a child in the way he should go. What on earth is wrong with Logan? And God goes, I don't know, you know, you figure it out. No, it's, like, it's not like God's like, oh, no. He totally quoted a scriptural promise at me. Oh, all right, fine. Let me put this on pause and go down there and, you know, give him what he wants. You know what favor? Because favor has nothing to do. Favor, the land of favor, ended when Jesus Christ died on the cross. When that happened, all of that happened, God says, look, I give what I give because I'm awesome. 
And when I give it, it's because I'm good. And when I give it, it's because I love you. And I'm going to give a lot to him, but a lot's going to be required. And, and, and she can handle so much, so I'm giving it to her. And this is what God does. And, and this is so amazing. We don't want favors. I want God's favor. Amen? And the goat of jealousy, you, you drag the goat of jealousy into every little thing, and you say, hey, God, here's my goat. I brought him along, you know, and God's going to go, what is this? I sent Jesus. I don't want goats. We're done with the goats. And the last one, in Genesis 38, we see a, a, a man of God, but he, he gets messed up. His name's Judah. And he gets himself in a vulnerable moment. He gets himself into trouble. And uh, he goes looking for a little pleasure. He goes looking for a prostitute for the night. And he finds this gal and, and he propositions her. But he doesn't know that it's actually his daughter-in-law, Tamar. Remember this story? It's a weird story. And she goes, what do you give me? What do you give me? And he goes... I'll give you one, guess what pops up again? I'll give you one goat. <laughs> to us, that's like creepy, but I mean, it's creepy anyway, but like, okay, keep the goat, weirdo, you know, but like, that was money back then. When I was in uh, uh, Kenya, they, they symbolically gave me a goat uh, as a missionary and a video producer, and I was out there, and they said, here's a goat, and I was like, Thanks? And they're like, now we will kill him and eat him for you. And I said, thanks? You know, so I had like this African barbecue and it was delish. But like, I was like, what's the deal with the goat? And uh, the translator said, we don't have money. We are shepherds. This is our currency. They just paid you a year's wages. I mean, you know, whoa. <laughs> okay. Wow. And, and symbolically, then what I would do is give it back to them as a gift. It was really sweet. But like... This is how this worked. She said, I want a goat. And this goat is called the goat of immorality. And the thing about goats is they stay with you. The smell colors you. It, it, it affects you in your relationships. And you, you come into worship and you can't get close to God. And, and all this. I have uh, young people come to me all the time. They're like, I just don't hear God. I, I don't know, no, no, you know, and all that stuff. And look, I, I have had people come up to my mom and say, the reason you have cancer is because you're in sin. Those people are dumb, right? Like, don't, they're dumb. Okay, that's not how it works. Jesus dealt with that. He's like, no, okay? But there is this thing that if you're in sin, you're going to have a tough time. I, I preached the whole sermon to the youth uh, 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 earlier, and it was titled, Sin Makes You Stupid, because people in sin do really dumb things. And sin, the sin of immorality starts to creep in, and it can affect the relationships. You know, maybe you've made some immoral mistakes. Maybe those things are coloring you, and now you are dragging that goat around. Sure, you've asked Jesus to forgive you, but boy, you just feel the weight of your flock. Young people, listen to me. There's another goat. I mean, it goes on and on. It's crazy. It's crazy how these threads, you know? I love that about the Bible. There's this goat in Samson's life. Did you know that? 
So Delilah goes, what do you give me? Guess what happens? And look, I, I don't want to step on any toes. I'm just going to preach it like I hear it from Jesus. Guess what happens when a Christian girl marries a secular boy? You can go to Target. You can register at Bed Bath & Beyond. But you're going to get a very special gift when you are unequally yoked. A goat. Listen to me, young people. Marry people who have had the same experience with Jesus that you have. Or you will get goats instead of flatware. Okay? Your, your wedding gift will stinketh. Can I hear some amen from the parents? Come on now. All right. Marry Christian people. All right. Now I'm going to step on the youth's toes because that's funny. Date. Christian people because dating leads to marriage. Please date Christian boys, girls. Oh, oh, the, the girls in the youth group know if they're dating a non-Christian boy, it will get out and I will find out and oh, I will be nosy and in their business and I will be all over that boy. I'll be like, hey, hey, how you doing? How you doing? Can I tell you about Jesus? You know anything about that? I have scared away boyfriends. Oh, I'm good at it too. I, I, have, I have two sisters and by God, I will scare them away. Because I know that I'm not going to go to a wedding gift uh, a registry. They're going to get married eventually. How crazy is that? Eventually they're going to get married. And we're going to go to that wedding, and I will not be setting my crock pot on the table next to somebody else's goat. <laughs> you know I mean? You feeling that? Samson gave Delilah a goat as a wedding gift. Gross. Here's the nice part. I don't know what you are carrying, but I'm willing to bet it's not as horrible or nasty or gross or smelly as all of the garbage that the heroes of faith have done. This Bible is not filled with clean-smelling people. They didn't even invent deodorant during that time. They were horrible mistake-filled screw-ups. And yet the wonderful part is my favorite part to preach off in the whole world. It is the wonderful, unsearchable, unfathomable grace of God. The discarded wreckage of humanity that litters, litters the stories of the Old Testament and the New Testament. I mean, think about guys like Jacob grasping until he has this wrestling match with God. And God breaks him and bends him and he says, look, all right, look, you used to be called liar. You used to be called supplanter. Now, I don't want you to pick that goat up again. What would have happened in Jacob's life if he said, no, I'm Jacob. You can't rename me. I'm Jacob. I've done bad things. I'm a bad boy. Look. What a nightmare. We would not know the Bible in the same way because he wouldn't be a hero of the faith. How about this? What if Samson, at the end of his life, as he's getting ready to push onto those things, instead of calling out to God for the strength to come upon him, he said, you know what? Forget it. I failed. We would not even know his story. We would not even know his, if Samson held on to the go. He, he failed at most of his life, but in the end he redeemed himself. What a beautiful story. David, a murderer, 
an adulteress. And yet, one of the things I find so interesting is the moment that David buried his goat, the moment after all the pain, after his firstborn baby dies, the whole deal, you know what's interesting? Is that those are his best psalms. I mean, I love Psalm 23, but the ones that touch my heart actually come after his song, Psalm of Lament in Psalm 51. Yeah, psalm 119, all these beautiful... God says, hey, look, write your songs and get rid of the goats. He was a warrior poet, but after all of that pain, he became a poet warrior. God said, look, I can redeem this. I can bury this. I can get rid of this. I can throw your sin, David, into the sea of forgetfulness, and then I will put up a no fishing sign. No more going for the goats. Think about, how about Simon Peter? Amazing. He's chosen by God to preach the sermon on the day of Pentecost. I would have picked John. I mean, John stayed faithful. John was a good man. John did it. He's the one who loved Jesus. And yet, God says, no, this loser. This loser over here. This loser. I love that. I, love, I don't have to be talented. I don't have to be good looking. I don't have to be Saul. I don't have to be anything. I, I just have to be available. Paul the apostle. I mean, that's an easy one. How about Rahab the prostitute? Here's, here's a woman that had the scarlet letter. The, she, she was an adulteress for money, a professional adulteress. I mean, that is, that is the ultimate, like, here's your Hester Prynne perfect story of a prostitute, and yet God rips off her scarlet A and gives her a scarlet cord. Not only does he redeem her, which is nice, but then he inserts her into the bloodline of David. She, was the, she married the great-great-grandfather of David, King David. And she ended up being named in Matthew in the bloodline of Jesus Christ, this prostitute. Mary Magdalene, we, we don't know, but Christian tradition says that she was a prostitute. And yet the first words that Jesus speaks after being raised from the dead is not, I'm awesome, I did it. It's Mary. Wow. Wow. She could have hung on to that. She could have said, yeah, Jesus, I know you've forgiven me, but I was a bad girl. And dragged this around and dragged this around. What are you dragging around? We could go on and on. What are you dragging around? You see, the Holy Spirit comes to convict, and it's painful when he does. But there's a purpose in it. It's to move you past. Satan wants to condemn. You know what the purpose, there's purpose in that too. You know what it is? To freeze you, to hold you, to tighten his grip, to put his tendons into you, his claws, and to hold on to you, and then to drag you back if he can. But he's satisfied just to hold you. He's satisfied for you never to move, for you never to be effective. Why? Because the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our and you can't have strength if you're dragging around and you're using all your weight and all your strength to do what? To carry around goats. I am willing to bet that if we could physically manifest the goats of, of shame and guilt and condemnation in our lives in this house tonight, we would have to double the size of the sanctuary because of the flocks that we've brought in. This morning, I should say, but, but we have 
coats in our lives. We carry these things. We did something immoral. I was a chaplain, itinerant chaplain. I traveled around during college as part of my training to become a preacher. And I would preach to the most uh, crazy audiences that, you know, the, it, it was like boot camps for like naughty kids and they couldn't go anywhere. And then I would preach when the uh, median age was 80. They couldn't go anywhere fast. So, you know, they'd have to listen to my terrible sermon. I'm sure they were awful. But I met a woman one time I, I, and she goes, Ryan, would you pray for me? And it's humbling when a, I, she was 78, when a humbly, humbly, humbling when a 78-year-old woman says, pray for me. You know, she's known Christ longer than my dad's been alive. How, what am I supposed to pray for? I said, anything. What, what, what can I pray with you for? And she goes, when I was in my 30s, I did this. And I, I know God has forgiven myself, but I can't forgive myself. 30. You've been caring that around for over three decades? You've just been carrying that weight, and we prayed, and, and she cried, and she goes, oh, 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 I just, I feel light. I feel lighter. I feel free. What just happened? I didn't know it at the time, because I, I hadn't done the study, but I would have said, you let the goat Go. You let it go. Christmas is a moment that can be very stressful. But I think, honestly, it's not the gifts. It's not the traffic. It's not the snow. It's not even all the people packed in the house. I think it's the goats. I think we drag stuff in. There are consequences we have to live with, for sure. You kill somebody, you go to jail. But there is this thing where Jesus says, look... Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free. There's now no condemnation. There's none. And then it goes on to quite possibly one of the funniest things in the Bible. It's so weird, and it's so creepy, and it always caught my attention when I read it. And I was like, why would God put that? And, and he says in, um, in Exodus 23, 19, he, he, God gives a recipe. Actually, it's kind of a not recipe, like don't make it this way. But it's so strange, you wonder why God put it in. It says, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. And then this weird recipe, do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Have you, how many of you have ever read that and went, what? A, it seems a little creepy for sure. Like, ugh. <laughs> Couldn't you pick some other milk? But it also makes sense if you've got a goat that is producing milk for the family, does it really matter where the milk comes from? Like, it's, you know, the goat doesn't care. It's lunch, you know? What's going on here? So I prayed about it and I thought about it. And then it hit me as I started to think about the youth in relationship to this verse. There are young people in this church today who have been boiled in their parents' milk. What do I mean by that? I mean there are parents who have not let go. There are grandparents who have not let go of the goat of their past. And that goat has soured and boiled and scorched and burned and hurt the family for decades. And it hurts the kids. And it hurts the ministry of that person. And it hurts the effectiveness of the kingdom. And it, it begins to just boil the kids. Are you 
cooking your children in your own pain? Are you cooking them in your own worthless feelings? Is there this moment where you can look at your past and say, gosh, I did that. But God has cast my sin upon the sea of forgetfulness. Like bread on the waters of the Atlantic Ocean, and it floats away to be picked at by seagulls and sea monsters, never to be seen again. Praise God. There's an opportunity in this house today. And I I gotta tell you, if you don't have Jesus in your heart, if you don't have Jesus as a part of the life blood of who you are, you are walking death. You are a zombie today. And if you know what I'm talking about and you felt it before and you were a zombie at one time and then you ran into Jesus and he just brought you alive, raise your hand. Raise your hand. I want you to show what it looks like to be alive. Okay, so we got four Christians in the church today. Okay. Wow, Pastor Phil has a lot of work to do. If you have brought Jesus into your life in an intimate way and he is your Lord and Savior, put your hand up. Let me see it. Praise God. If you have not, you don't have to raise your hand. I just want you to look around because these are happy people. That their lives are alive. They, they might have little goats and we'll deal with that in a second. But if you need Jesus in your life, I just implore you, get it done. Get it, don't we, for tomorrow. Don't make it a New Year's resolution and don't wait till after Christmas. Now, Bill or Cindy's going to come up to the piano, but I want to just talk from, uh, 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 close on, on this thought. I want to close on this thought. Some of us have goats in our lives that we have not dealt with. We have, we have things that we just screwed up and, and the weight of it, and Satan reminds us of it. And it's a painful memory. No goats at Christmas this year. None. None. It will only happen if you make a stand and you say, I need Jesus to get rid of that now. I have, I have an unforgiveness in my heart. I, I have a pain. I have some jealousies that I haven't dealt with. And I'm really jealous. I'm, I'm just straight up upset that they have and I do not. I, I have, I have uh, some, some goats in my life of past sins and they really are just burning away at the inside of who. I made some serious mistakes in my 20s and they have dogged me for two decades. I have goats, is the thought today. Would you close your eyes and pray with me today? I was up at five this morning, and pastor texted me. He said, what are you doing up? And I said, oh, I'm just, just praying over this message. And he said, I'm praying with you. And we prayed over this message, and I, I just know that this is for somebody today. I just know it. How do I know it? Because this weekend I had to get on my knees and slaughter a couple of goats that had followed me around. I just felt guilty and embarrassed about some things I'd done in my past. And I just let that dog me. I, I let it affect me as a father. I let it affect me as a husband. I let it affect me as a pastor. I let, it, I let it affect I knew it was covered in the blood. I knew it was slaughtered at the altar. I just dragged that goat around. Is that you today? If you're in this house 
and you're, you're just you're just listening and you're thinking man I never thought of it that way but I, I have some things I know Jesus has forgiven me of and I can't let it go I can't let it go I'm holding on to I'm grasping it I'm, I'm hanging it's on a backpack on me I feel like the weight of the world how many would just just be honest in this moment nobody's looking around it's, it's just you and God but you would, this act of physical expression will actually enhance your faith. I promise it. You would just say, Ryan, that actually is me. You're, one of those things, you, you mentioned something I'm dealing with, would you just throw your hand up and say, yep, pray for me. Sure, sure, all over this house. You're not weird. It's normal. You're not, you're not strange. It's something that a lot of us, not all of us, but a lot of us deal with. Okay, you can put your hand back down. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to close. But the responsibility is on us to leave those goats. Leave them. Dear Jesus, you are the sacrifice. You didn't do a down payment on sin. You paid in full. And any goat that we hang on to is not just ugly and smelly and hurtful. It is also an affront to your sacrifice. And we call it for what it is. Ugly, horrible, smelly, an affront. God, I pray right now that you would remove those in the name of Jesus. What the Son or Father has set free is free indeed. And Father, I pray that as far as the east is from the west, you would just remove those thoughts of, of worthlessness, of, of pain, of guilt, of condemnation, that we would be free and the joy of the Lord would just begin to flow unerringly, untapped. But Father, I just pray that you would just begin to do it today in this house, that we would leave our goats at the altar, we would slaughter those ugly beasts and we would leave the corpses at the foot of the altar. Father, I pray that we would every single one of us today walk out of here in the joy of the Lord, the freedom of the Holy Spirit and the power of God himself, that we would be able to be free of the goats. In Jesus' holy name, and if you need to be free from goats and you agree with that prayer, you say, Amen. Now look up here. No goats at Christmas. No goats at Christmas this year. You're not allowed to bring them. They, you, you, you don't even get to keep them at home. You've got to kill them and bury them in somebody else's backyard, okay? No goats at Christmas. Say it with me. No goats at Christmas. We love you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas, and we'll see you at Scrooge. God bless you all.